Hello, Mastermind listeners. This is where we usually play the fancy opening tune, introducing the usual Mastermind hosts, Jean Gallier and James Laws, but not this week. This week, it's me, Donica, for whom there is no special intro music. And I'm going to be talking to James Laws about his experiences in running a marketplace selling add-ons by third-party developers. With James, you always get an eloquent flow of insights. He's a guy who lives and breathes his business. Just point him in the right conversational direction, and off he goes. In this episode, however, you'll be hearing a different James Laws, because my job is to push a little further and ask the questions that other people won't due to simple politeness. There's too much politeness in the WordPress podcast world, too much soft soap, too many business owners patting each other on the back. So I give James credit for answering my questions, even the ones that risk making him or his business look bad. But you know, listening back on it now, we somehow ended up with one hell of a show. Enjoy. James, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I've just had a pretty uh, dramatic uh, evening. I'm teetering on the edge of a relationship breakup. And I'm also oh, coming no. out of the... Yeah, no, yeah, no seriously. <laughs> well, I, I no, literally that sucks. At, this, at the time of, broad- or of recording, I have no idea whether or not I'm staying in the relationship I've been in for, for three years. And uh, But hey, don't let it get you down. Um, <laughs> and, and the other... The, 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 <laughs> the kicker is is that I'm also coming out of a really bad flu, a really bad cold. So uh, if oh my, my voice sounds, you, you can choose to think of my voice as sounding either attractively husky or alluringly <laughs> full of mucus. It's it's up to you how you want to how you want to interpret it. I, I like it. I like it. I, I definitely understand. I've been so it, this is kind of my segue back into mastermind.fm. I've been out of it for a couple of months. I don't know how much John has said. I haven't listened, you know, in all honesty, I have not listened to every episode we have recorded since then, except all the ones you've done. I've, I've, I've listened to all of those. Um, but I have not listened to every episode. So I don't know if John has caught our listeners up to my absence. And so just to kind of give everyone a little bit of a background, um, last couple months, I've been dealing with some family stuff. My dad just passed away a few weeks ago. Uh, I was dealing with arrangements for there because he lives in San Antonio uh, and I'm up in Cleveland, Tennessee. So I'm I'm kind of quite a ways away. So trying to deal with all of that stuff and just also trying to get my own life kind of focused. I've let myself get overweight and just not taking care of my health. And so I've try- been trying to get a focus and a plan to just get myself healthy for my family and, and for myself, really just my own quality of life. So it's been a weird two months and I've been out of it. So this is kind of my inauguration back into mastermind.fm. So I'm I'm excited to be back. I didn't think that anybody who knows Jean is allowed to be out of shape or, or overweight. <laughs> I know, right? Well, we've we've talked about it a couple of times on the episode and he inspires me to want to do better. But until I intrinsically like really know I need a life change, it doesn't matter how good anyone around me is or encouraging somebody is. You just have to get it into your own head. I think I'm finally there. And so I've just been trying to really kick myself into shape. So I think Jean really has it together. And I'm not sure if he knows how lucky he is in that in that aspect. I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of everything, in terms of fitness, business, relationship, everything else. I mean, he's a really together guy. And uh, uh, my God, if I'd been like that 10 years, because I'm, I'm 10 years older than him. And yeah. I'm, frankly, I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed at how cool <laughs> he is. You know? I, you know, it's funny. I see, I see his pictures on Facebook, he and his beautiful wife and they're out on the beaches and they both look like amazing and he's got this great business. And I'm like, he, he is basically the epitome of the, the exotic world traveler. He, he's got that nailed down. <laughs> the worst part of it is, is that when you run into problems in your life and you happen to talk to Jean about them, he is the most insightful guy. And I don't know where the hell he gets it from. Cause yeah. as far as I can tell, he has had no problems in his life whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, you're meant to earn wisdom. You can't just be wise just like that. 
maybe it's his, his, the the bald head. It lets wisdom in. Um, but yeah. man, he just <laughs> everything he does, he just he just does it well. So he's he's a super impressive guy. I mean, this is the first time that we've done a one-on-one on Mastermind, and um, I'm really impressed. Uh, so uh, this is what the listeners can't see: is is we're on Skype, we're on video, and you've got this amazing sort of 1960s Camden Town uh, background <laughs> behind you. It's 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 soundproofed, but it's red and black tile. It's like yes. who chose this design? A 12 year old? Me, a 42 year old. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. We when we were starting to do the office, like I I have this I have this problem where I don't do anything. I, I have a hard time doing anything halfway. So once I decide I do something, I get very obsessive about it. So we started doing, I said, I don't want to sit in an all black room, um, but I also don't want to sit in an all red room. And so I said, well, I'll we yeah. checkerboard it. And at first it's jarring when you first walk in here. But then once you've sit, sat in here for a little bit, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> I think that's going to, I mean, subconsciously that has to prime you. I mean, it, it looks like some kind of killer hornet. So you're going to sit down, you're going to be full of the right energy, you know, the sort of stay alive energy. It's going to be, you know, that's got to work, right? Well, I think that's fair. We actually put a standing desk in here so we wouldn't be like getting too comfortable. And yet we, we've debated whether we like that or if we want to do something more comfortable. But yeah, I think it helps. It's so, it's so funny because we kind of think along kind of similar lines, but I'm doing it on an extreme Thailand style budget. Uh, I've got a camera tripod here that I've, I've set up so that the, the mic is right next to my, my mouth. I don't know how it's coming across. This is my new portable uh, mic, but you're sitting there and I'm looking at a mic, which I believe you told me cost you uh, $1 million. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just one of these beautiful, oh, I'd love to have that mic, but instead I'm going to buy this one for $200 instead of this. What was that, around $500 or something? Or? It, it's a, it, they're between five and $600, the SM7Bs. But I will say this, uh, with, with all the money I spent, I think you sound just as good as I do. So uh, it just shows who the fool is on this call. <laughs> right. Okay. There you go, folks. I've got extra money for Coke and hookers. There you um, go. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. See, I'm not even broken up yet. I'm already planning ahead. That's so, good. I like okay. it. I like it. <laughs> so listen, this is a really interesting show, folks, because you might remember that where we left it last week, we gave a little teaser of what was going to happen. Uh, myself and Mark were talking last week and we were discussing the recent news that Pippin had decided to uh, wind down his marketplace that he has for easy digital downloads. and you know, we had many questions about, well, why did he decide to do this, given that he was going to be making 30% on things? And as it happens, one of the plugins that Mark manages for Rebel Code was on the marketplace and Pippin decided to buy that one out. And I think they had another one on there that they decided to retire. And then a third one, Bookings, EDD Bookings, that they decided that they were going to just take private and sell themselves right. separately, not part of the EDD marketplace. So I'm kind of curious now, now th this is the great thing that we realized. We suddenly realized we know somebody we know a guy who runs a pretty big marketplace for a pretty big WordPress plugin. And so, of course, as the co-founder of yeah. NinjaForms, you are in charge of the NinjaForms marketplace. And so I would like to really drill down. Oh, yeah. The other big thing about this episode is that we're both yeah, doing this naked. That's true. Can, can that's you true. I had, that this I is... had to take off yeah, my okay. mojo marketplace in the spirit of marketplace uh, conversations and, and, and go nude. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. And I'll... I'll tell you, it added an extra, <laughs> an extra um, sense of sizzle to our conversation about that's, how that's out of shape true. we are. I'm All sorry, right. by the way, that you have to look at this. <laughs> so, so what we're drilling down on now is where were you in terms of your business, how you saw your business when you decided to open a marketplace? How has that original decision, how watertight has that decision stayed in your mind as you've continued to grow? Sure. And where are you standing now? with regard to your future plans and your intention to keep running the marketplace as you are 
with third-party suppliers of extensions for Ninja Forms. So take me right back. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting when we think about it, like especially the fact that Pippin is closing down his marketplace because part of the drive of starting a marketplace really was EDD and Pippin's marketplace. Like that was kind of the idea. When we started Ninja Forms and switched over to an add-on model, we didn't have a marketplace in mind. I was just shopping for add-ons at EDD and I thought, I think Forms could work like this. Like there's a lot of users who say they only need a particular feature and they don't need the whole kit and caboodle of our major, you know, our pro plugin. So what if we just separated those things out and separated, you know, and sold them separately? We moved in that direction as a development and as a business model. We launched in January of 2013. And in May, right around the end of April, beginning of May, I just sent out a tweet kind of randomly because I knew that Pippin was selling other people's add-ons. And I thought it would be a good way to get people into the Ninja Forms ecosystem. I asked if anyone wanted to build an add-on. It was totally random. Totally just let's see what happens, see if we can get a bite. And interestingly enough, Pippin was the first person to respond and he built our MailChimp add-on. So really within a couple days, we had our first, you know, from that announcement, we had our first marketplace add-on from a collaborating developer released and being sold on our site. And that started the marketplace for us. But wasn't it interesting that it was Pippin? The yeah. other marketplace owner who decided <laughs> to do it. And do you think that that's partly because he realized that he looked back with some regret at the fact that maybe some of his best-selling uh, extensions by third-party people actually were not all that complicated. You got MailChimp, they got a nice mm -hmm. API. It's probably not the hardest plugin in the world to write. No. And in fact, he, he probably what you've got is the EDD MailChimp plugin <laughs> with redone. Uh, At that time, probably so, right? Very similar because he was so used to the API, he could just kind of lift what he had already written and just put it into kind of our container. And so, yeah, I think there may be some of that, right? Like, you know, thinking about the fact that, you know, some of the add-ons that are maybe big earners and easy to maintain, other developers have come in and built those and now he's giving away portion of of money that, that his company could be making that that certainly could have been of it i am always the optimist in it and i just you know so i'll say it this way i love pip and i have a great deal of respect for him and i think honestly he just wanted to help us um, i think he liked us i think we built us kind of an offline relation or not even offline an online relationship and i think there's some camaraderie in what we were doing and I, I think he, it, was, it was a nod, I think it was. It was a gesture of kindness towards us as a small company just trying to kind of get started. And so having his name on it and putting his kind of brand that he had built up as being a, a very helpful and knowledgeable and if Pippin touches it, it must be good kind of developer helped. And so I think it was more of that than anything else because he only did a few mail, you know, mailing list add-ons and that was pretty much the extent of it. And so, so at the time that he did that, how many coders did you have working for Ninja Forms of your own guys? Yeah, one. We had my business partner who is now just slowly starting to pull away from development as our team has grown. It was just him. Like he built all the add-ons. He built the core plugin. Um, I mean, I did a little bit in the early days, but as it got more complicated, there was less and less I can do. So mostly my contributions these days are 
in concept and then in UI and user experience. And that's about it. That's about all I can contribute at these days. So back then at that stage, you guys were all coded out. You were, you were moving as fast as you could to kind of expand into this new frontier. Mm-hmm. And Pippin comes along and you're quite happy to give him that slice of frontier Absolutely. because that was, you know, you guys were busy doing what you were doing. Okay. So it's like a form of early angel investment in a sense. Yeah. Give your time, make it an extension. In fact, that's what I think is one of the benefits of the marketplace model right there. So you kind of hit on it right there. One of the big benefits of a marketplace, especially early on, is this idea of product diversification, the add-ons that you don't, the products you don't have time to build, but would definitely draw new audiences and new opportunities into your plugin. Perfect example is CRMs, right? There are hundreds of CRMs, SaaS companies out there that exist, and we don't have time to build every single one of those CRMs, but... Along comes a developer who works in CRMs all the time and is very comfortable in them, can start banging out four, five, six, seven different CRM integrations, throw them into the marketplace. And now there's all of this market of people who are, in the, who are looking for forms that integrate with their CRM that they're, they're a ready-made audience now coming into our system. And we, as a core development team, as the main team, just don't have the time to build the, all of those things. Um, we're, many times we're just focused on the core product and the core add-ons that we've released. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for diversifying and bringing in new markets. But are you really saying that you couldn't just get some junior developer? Sit them down. And I'm going to guess that most of the APIs these days, I mean, okay, it's, it, we're a few years into the kind of API revolution. Right. Everybody has the really good example of, you know, the major APIs that then everybody more or less copies. Mm-hmm. Surely you could just have a junior guy going through each and every single CRM as it emerges onto the market and have them bang one out in an afternoon. And, and then there, going forward, you get to keep the, the $29 or whatever. <laughs> theoretically, yes. The, the, the struggle with that, right, is theoretically, if we thought we had the money to pay someone, and that's, that's the other thing, when you're bootstrapping a, a product in a, on an entire business, you are financial adverse to spending money where you don't have to spend money. And so if you can rent the building of a plugin, so to speak, by giving them a portion of the profit uh, of that, and then that, those things still get built, it's six of one, half a dozen the other in that sense. And so longer term, we lose more money in the longer term, but in the, in the short term, we don't have to put any work into it. The other part of that is, yes, we could bang out, you know, 10, 20 CRMs, you know, in a couple of weeks with just a dev- one developer just, just throwing them out there as fast as they can, just kind of repeating the same stuff over and over again. But while APIs are pretty easy to understand, understanding how customers use those CRMs specifically with all of their nuances is not easy. And then you have to support those things. And now you have to develop a support team who understands how people are using the CRMs and and working with them. And that's also super expensive. So in the end, it seemed more cost effective to bring other people in who were experts in those areas. But hang on. So the third party creator. Yeah. He then has the responsibility to support his plugin going forward. So this is how we've solved some of the marketplace problems. You know, I wish Pippin and I have not had a strict conversation about why he shut down his marketplace. I, I have sus- I could make assumptions and and some you know some guesses at what may be causing that. But here's the thing: one of maybe he was making too much money. That's 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 it. That's that's it. I think so. One of the situations is. We have to kind of have to remember one of the struggles of bringing in collaborating developers is they are not your staff and it's not your code, and, but it is your brand. Because the difference between, say, a, you know, a Mojo Marketplace or an Envato where you have Theme Forest and Code Canyon and all of those guys, 
the difference is their brand, their product is not tied to the brand specifically. Though They're kind of separated. You understand that these are different products from different people. But when you buy from Ninja Forms or EDD or WooCommerce, even if it's a collaborating developer, it's WooCommerce's brand. It's EDD's brand. It's Ninja Forms brand. But it's not your code and they're not your staff. And that's very complicated. It, it creates a dynamic that you have to put in some constraints and rules. So... To your question about what we expect of developers, and so they're doing support, like they're responsible support, yes and no. So what happens is when somebody wants to build something for Ninja Forms, we have a form that they can pitch an idea of what they want to build. And our terms and conditions with that developer is we do a 70-30 split. They take 70%, we take 30%. For that 70%, they build the the, the add-on or plug-in. They maintain the development of it, and they handle development level support, but they also write their own documentation for that add-on so that they can determine the use cases that their customers have. And so when it gets into that level of stuff, like specifically the expertise of that CRM and bugs that are development level, all of that stuff goes to them. All of our issues are explaining the documentation that already exists. If it's not in the documentation, our support team can't handle it for third-party add-ons because we can't expect our support team to understand how 40 different products we didn't build and we don't maintain work. And so that is part of our terms and conditions. Uh, for their set 70%, that's the stuff they have to deal with. But you also have an expectation, as you said, that they're going to understand the nooks and crannies of that particular CRM. Yeah. Is that a realistic expectation? You know, on some level, yes. If it's something you're going to write and send data to or pull data from, and you're going you're gonna to familiarize yourself with that API in that way, we expect that you have some understanding of why people use that and why that works the way it does. Otherwise, we would rather you not build that add-on. Um, and so that is a co- part of the conversation. Uh, for instance, we have somebody who does a lot of CRMs for us, uh, Stuart uh, Sequeria. He's, he, I think he's in Oregon. And he, he builds a ton of CRMs for us, but he works with clients on CRMs. That's what he does. A lot of his clients are all CRM-based. So he, he works with a half a dozen different CRMs regularly and is intimately aware with how they work. Okay, but you know, you get the situation sometimes like Subway has to withdraw its uh, license from a particularly bad, right. you know, d- some dirty old branch of Subway. Have you ever been in that situation? Not currently. So far, we have been blessed to have some really good developers who care, but that is a struggle, right? They're not, again, like I said, they're not, it's, they're not your staff. It's not necessarily your code. And so we have had conflicts where developers want to maintain, say, their repos in a way that isn't conducive with our update routines and our update processes. And so we have to work through that process. We have uh, developers with different understandings of support expectations. And so we have a very strict terms and conditions and SLA of what we expect of support. Because again, it is our brand. If you let them down, this is a cost, right? And this is why some people, I think, shy away from a marketplace, especially a branded marketplace. Somebody comes into your ecosystem. I'll just use an example for, like, say, Zapier. All right, uh, we have Zapier as an add-on, and we didn't build it. A, a third, a collaborating developer built it. Um, talk about a, a thing you wish you had built um, because it makes good money. That's one of those uh, add-ons. Uh, so you have this add-on out there that we didn't build, and so somebody strictly comes into our ecosystem because we have this Zapier add-on. They like the way we ha- we do things. So then they buy, say, our personal or professional membership and the Zapier add-on. But it was the Zapier add-on that really got them in. And they have a terrible support experience with that developer. 
or they don't get responded to or it's they have problems with the code it's buggy whatever and all of a sudden we have to refund the customer as a whole so we don't just lose the 70% of Zapier we lose the 100% of our personal membership or our professional membership so we have a brand so in a business there is this level of I understand it's your add-on. We think the marketplace is great for both the mar- you know, the business owner and the developer coming into it, but there are challenges that we have to come to agreements on so that we can protect our customers, we can protect our brand, and we can protect both of our interests. Okay, so looking at the way that you're structured, you're structured very differently from other you know, competing forms. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because last night I was actually pricing something out. You have a fantastic uh, add-on for a thing called Video Mail. Yeah, which is, as you know, it's the, a way to send sort of video messages. And I actually think that that is, in terms of marketing, it's positioned so badly because the developer of it, I've actually been talking to him on email. He's uh, down in New Zealand. He's a Swiss guy. Yeah. And I believe he's deaf. He's, he's either deaf or he's just very engaged with the, with the deaf community. Mm-hmm. And he's mainly produced it as a way for deaf people to be able to send messages yeah. using New Zealand Sign Language, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of, it's such a, such a valid and, and worthy use. But at the same time, it kind of misses the, the broader, incredibly, just the whole innovative explosion of uses you could come up with. Anything from personal identification or skill verification or, or all sorts of different things that you could do if you could use video. Right. And right now, you guys have got a, a great position because video mail happens to be free. A competing product, Gravity Forms, they have something somewhat similar, but it's tied into a, a service called Pipe that costs $25 a month. Right. So you're looking at three hundred dollars a year, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. So, but the interesting thing there is that with Gravity Forms, they charge a flat for their equivalent of your agency membership. They charge two hundred dollars a year. Right. And you guys charge five hundred. Yeah. And I'm guessing that the main reason for the the higher amount is because you have to accommodate each of your third party plugins, which I believe are included in the agency membership. They all have to sort of get their slice as well. Would would that be more or less accurate? And and actually, no. And so this is an interesting part. And some people may take some offense to this, but our developers are aware we've we've made this as a part of our terms and conditions. Our agency membership is not our bread and butter. We just don't make all of our money there. We make very little. They they cost us less support. That's not where we make all our money. Our money really is in the add-on and and really in the personal and professional memberships have started to really pick up um, because you get discounts on other add-ons as you need them. But the agency membership isn't a big. So when we started the agency membership, and this is another struggle with marketplaces, and I think it may be another reason why Pippin, if I were to make a make a guess of why Pippin may have moved away from the marketplace or maybe is moving in that direction, is this. You have less control of what you can do in your marketplace because of the complexity of bringing in all of these other developers' add-ons. There's no real way. I mean, you could do an algorithm. You could do a check. I know Pippin's worked on something, but I'm guessing he found that to be very complicated to say, okay, how many of the the developers' add-ons were downloaded from this agency? Now make a share of that and give it to each. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fairly complicated process. So when we decided to release the agency membership or decided we wanted to, we went to our developers and said, this is what we are doing. We think this will build the profile of Ninja Forms, which will help everyone, even on the individual add-on basis. So as a part of our agreement, of our split and our add-on, you get to sell your add-ons in our space at this, what what in in the marketplaces as goes, as as you know, in Vado and and all of the, and Mojo is usually like a 50-50 or even worse, 70-30 against the developer, not for the developer. 
We give the developers 70%, and a part of that is they allow us to include their add-on in our agency membership, and there isn't any additional kickback for those sales of the agency memberships. We don't sell a lot of them. They're not, again, they're not our big, they're not their big earner, um, but it's a way to sweeten the pie for those agencies or those developer heavy professionals who really want an all in kind of package and not getting too cost prohibitive. The reason it's expensive, honestly, is just for, in all fairness, Gravity Forms is far undervalued. Carl has undervalued his product. Um, and I think it just is a, is a condition of when he launched it and the ecosystem in that time, and the way things were going. And now he's in a position where it's very hard for him to raise price. If he raises his price, he, he is going to lose market share. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He, I mean, he already loses market share to more expensive products. If he raises his price, that gap is even smaller, and there's even less incentive for people to necessarily stay. That's not a knock on Gravity Forms. Gravity Forms is a good product, and Carl has built a good business, and he has a good team. But He's in, a, he's in a tight situation where it's, he can't raise prices without. He's even said so on Twitter when we launched our mem- agency membership. He's like, if I raise my prices to such and such, everyone would blow up and get, so, like, get angry about it. And he may be right. That, that he may be true. We didn't have that problem because we started out expensive. But hang on. That's funny. So what was his actual reaction to your prices? Did he just think that people would be insane to pay them or, or, or what? Yeah, I think that's a little bit part of it. I think, I th- you know, to be honest, you know, you can never tell. While Carl and I are, we're on speaking terms and we're acquaintances. It's not like we talk off the record on, you know, about shop and stuff yeah. like that. But I would, I would assume if I were in the same space and somebody turned around and was offering a similar product to what I had and they were charging twice as much, I'd be a little frustrated that I was in the position that I was in. I'd be frustrated that they were getting away with it and they were able to spend more because what I did is I locked I locked myself in because I didn't value my value my product high enough or the or honestly and really what I think it is I don't think it's that he devalued his product. I know he knows Gravity Forms is a good product, right? Um he will tell you as much. But I think the situation is the the ecosystem at the time that he launched fixed his price. And then the ecosystem matured and grew around Gravity Forms, and now he's kind of stuck because the what makes them good now is this, oh, well, for $199, you are all in to everything that they have. And that's now he is the product that's competing on price now. So in a sense, he created a step. His pricing was a step that you could step onto and go up to the pricing that you ended yeah, up at. Yeah, absolutely. I think all products have been that way. Like all the products have started to, I mean, EDD did a good job of that too. They started raising their prices early on when we came in and we were looking at their prices when we were thinking about our own and, and, and juggling how do we stay comparable but a little bit above. But when you go into an ecosystem, a lot of times what you do when you're setting prices is you look at what is the field of play. What are all the prices going on? And you try to fit somewhere. You don't want to. You don't want to beat. You don't want to compete on price and go low, um, but you definitely don't want to go too high and price yourself out of the market completely. So you tend to look at the ecosystem and price yourself in that space. When we came into the space and we moved to the add-on model, and we realized that individually all of our add-ons would cost thousands of dollars if you were to buy them all one at a time. Huh. Uh, we recognized it was a steal to have a $500 you know, or $499 membership that had all of these add-ons all at once. So honestly, the market just grew and we were able to come in and, at that and that was okay for us. Certainly, products like Gravity Forms and, and WooCommerce and, and a, a lot of the products that came before us 
created a foundation. And as people were able to step just a little bit above that, I don't doubt that someday the market may be much higher than we're at. And we were the stepping stone for someone else to be able to say, oh, I can charge actually a little bit more. Okay. So, but getting back to your third party mm -hmm. developers. So essentially you've come to them almost like uh, YouTube coming to all the uh, YouTubers with their red deal, which is okay, you have to accept this deal that uh, for red subscribers, they're not going to see any adverts, but you will get some kind of revenue share of whatever. Actually, in your case, what you're saying to people rather is that we're going to give you a generous 70% for any sales yep. that are not agency sales, and you just have to write off the agency sales. Yep. But what I'm curious about then in terms of how that works, and I mean, you know, obviously I, I was trying to put together this uh, theoretical kind of model mm -hmm. where I looked at Gravity Forms add-ons and I looked at your add-ons and I was working on what the pricing would be for me to do something built around video mail yeah. or built around pipe and it was a, a simple little website that would allow people to leave a video and um, uh, leave an attachment some kind of photo they'd be happy to have and produce um, I would ask them to talk for a minute to prove that they were a native English speaker and then if, if I then later watch the video and I say yes this person is a native English speaker the system has automatically created a page which is their, their certificate that, yes, this person, James Laws, is a native English speaker. Yeah. And so in order to do that, the add-ons that I would need to use would be things like file upload, mm -hmm. front-end posting, video mail, and, uh, you know, maybe Slack, uh, maybe Twilio if I want to get an SMS whenever I, you know, get, get something. And if I want to charge for it, then, of course, I'd be looking at Stripe or, or Recurly or PayPal Express. And I think the way, that it, the way that it worked out was that even for just doing one site, I was getting awfully close to the 499. Yeah. I was getting awfully close to the, the agency pricing. And it seemed to me that, in a sense, if you're going to make any number of websites that are going to have any kind of complexity beyond just, you know, file upload or, or one single thing, that you're going to need to get the agency package. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is you would think that. And if our customers were primarily, and that may be where, we, where we're different than perhaps a lot of our competitors, a lot of our competitors have developer-heavy users who are building multiple sites and things like that. We have some of those. We certainly have some of those. But our market is mostly people building their site, their users. They, they don't, they're not necessarily buy, making these complex things like you're talking about that they're buying a, you know, a personal membership, and may, which is $99, and maybe buying another add-on to complement their marketing or their CRM or to collect a payment. So, it, yeah, I mean, if you're wanting to do really heavy stuff, the agency membership is the way to go. You know, certainly we would love people to buy more agency memberships, and, uh, and, we, sell, and we sell enough to make it worth keeping but that it. would be terrible for your third-party guys. Well... Yes and no. I mean, you know, there's there's two ways of looking at it. No, yes. No, I mean, <laughs> yes, in the sense that those sales, they don't they're not making any money off. But the more people using Ninja Forms means the more attention it's getting, which means the more people are buying single add ons as well. So by people coming into the ecosystem and that's really the benefit of a marketplace, right? It's a ready made audience. It's a growing audience that you don't have to build. People aren't, you know. If you're wanting a form integration for video mail, you're not generally looking at video mail's website. You're not, you know, you're going to go to a form builder and say, who has this? And if I'm already, if I already have Ninja Forms customers who want this type of a situation, they're able to come to the website, see that we have it, and then start to dream what else do they want to do. So, yes, it's, it's, it's bad and good, right? On the short end... It may be bad. They didn't get that sale or that group of sales or that growing group of sales. But on the flip side, 
there's this growing number of people that are now being exposed to ninja forms and are buying add-ons. And to be honest, most people buy single add-ons as a gateway to other things. So they're always coming in and buying new things and coming back. And so, I, yes, I mean, I agree with you that as people buy more agency memberships, they're not going to get any money from those particular things. And we've, we've made that, you know, we've had that discussion. But I, I actually think the, the ecosystem itself grows. Hmm. But, okay, well, so, so, and I'm sorry, I, I don't want to keep dragging you off no, the course with this. No, it's all right. You know? I don't mind. But, uh, we've thought long I, and I, hard about this. <laughs> and, I'm, and I know the listeners appreciate your willingness to be, to be grilled <laughs> on this. So a lot of people feel, a lot of people who are on the Amazon marketplace for Android, they have their own special Kindle uh, Amazon marketplace uh, for Android apps. And they feel that it's unfair because part of the Amazon terms and conditions you know, and they're very clear about it, but it's there in the small print, is that they can take your app. Say you made a beautiful app, you're charging mm-hmm. $20 for it. They can come in and do a special where uh, they will sell it for $5. They won't consult you first and you will still get your percentage, exactly your percentage, but you won't get any, you know, you'll get a, a right. quarter of what you would have got. You don't have any say. They, they can change the price at any time. And I, I can imagine if Apple did that, I think iOS developers would go insane. Then you've also got the thing where, I mean, if Apple came along and said, look, we're going to give away a load of apps. We're going to give every, uh, you, every new buyer of an iPhone, we're going to give them a $100 credit note to buy apps. But if they happen to buy your app with this credit note, I'm afraid we can't give you any money because, you know, we give it away as a freebie to, to sell more iPhones. Sure. I think people would be very upset with that as well. So is that not somewhat similar? And I would imagine that as, as Ninja Forms matures as a product, you're going to have a situation where more and more people are going to bite the bullet and say, well, hang on a second. This year, I'm spending $400 on individual licenses. Mm-hmm. Maybe this year, I'm going, to get, I'm going to renew by getting a, an agency license instead. Yeah. Does that not, I, I mean, could you end up with a situation where 50% of your income is coming in through that route? So in effect, your third-party developers would only be getting 35%. Right. I could certainly envision a world where that would happen. Here's a struggle with the marketplace. I don't necessarily see a marketplace, and and this is my own personal opinion. I don't know how other developers go in. I am of the opinion that marketplaces are a great way to either start or to supplement, but they're not the place to stay. I wouldn't build my business in somebody's marketplace. I think that would be a bad move. As a marketplace owner, I think that would be a bad move. And the reason for that is I think as you mature, as you grow, as you understand marketing, as you understand how to sell your product, as your development skills grow and their products become more complex, I think you want to own more of that. I think you want to bring that in-house. Marketplaces are a great place to start because you don't have to think about marketing as much, although we would like you to think about marketing. We'd like to work with you to think about marketing. But you don't have to think about marketing. You have a ready-made audience. You don't have to think about e-commerce and setting up a website and collecting payments and having accounts and doing all of that stuff that can be administratively, you know, administrative overhead that as a single developer, you don't want to take on right off. But once you get your feet wet with that, and you've been doing that for a little while, I think the tendency should be to move, okay, how do I build the next thing that's not, maybe it integrates with an add-on, but it's my thing. I'm going to separate it and I'm going to build something really fantastic over here and build my own business. I also think it's a great way to supplement. If you have a good business and you're like, you know what, I can tie this in over here. It will draw attention to my company's name in another marketplace. That's a great way to supplement, but it's not, shouldn't be the driving force of all of your income forever is my personal opinion. So 
here's the problem. We have this with some add-ons. We have add-ons like uh, for a while we had Sendy. Uh, Video Mail is an example right now. Um, we have add-ons that just don't sell a lot. They they have a very, very really yeah they have a really focused kind of niche and that's what they're going you know and those people come in and they do that but they're not like the huge huge sellers and that's just the nature of certain add-ons by the way folks just to just to be clear the miracle of modern skyping i am in thailand and of course uh, james is in idaho or is in uh, ohio uh, so, actually tennessee um, <laughs> oh ten oh you're in tennessee now yeah, okay Cleveland, oh yeah tennessee. sorry my apologies yeah that's yeah. okay oh, okay so there's a cleveland in ohio as well there isn't is there? there is the first cleveland we're the second <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Hang on a second. So, which which of the Clevelands? Which which of them rocks? Uh, that would be Ohio. There's okay. no rocking happening so in Tennessee. <laughs> Did it, is the time zone the same? Because I, I was judging yeah. our time to meet uh, yeah. based on yeah, we're, Ohio. yeah, oh, it's it the same is. time. Okay, zone. great, yeah. great. <laughs> That's handy. So sorry. Uh, uh, what the hell were we talking about? <laughs> Uh, you know what? Now I've lost it. That's that's great. This is this is this is great podcasting right oh, from the okay. beginning. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I remember. Yeah, I, I I wanted to add this in because uh, it might seem that I was being a little bit negative about Gravity Forms, but I would express that in the case of Video Mail, which I I highly recommend people to check out because it really is. I have been all over video for about my God, the last eight years. I've been I've been trying to find stuff that works the way that this works, and there's so many there's so many niches that can be opened up. Yeah. You can literally take a WordPress site, put in this add-on, and I'm telling you, you've got a startup right there. You can do one simple MVP product, and you have a startup right there in a WordPress site for, for under $100 or whatever. No, I think that's true. And I think that, you know, that's the funny thing. That is true of a lot of little add-ons, right? You can take one add-on and create a whole business model, a whole site around this one thing and do some really cool things with it. It all it takes is a creative mind to think what is what am I capable of and what is interesting to me to to grow. So video mail is an example of something that perhaps could be a huge seller if the vision of what it can, of what you could do with it could catch on. But you know, that's that's another struggle where when you bring people in, we don't have necessarily the marketing bandwidth to take every little add-on and flesh out fully all the marketing details that could go to it. While we're certainly willing to help and give some guidance and make some best practices in place to help with that, that can be challenging. Is that a third-party add-on? Uh, it is. It is. And is it, was that actually made by uh, by Michael Hoosman, the binary kitchen guy? Yeah, yeah, he himself? yeah he made it. Uh, he made it. Well, he made it working with our team because I mean our system is unique as far as plugins go. We're very JavaScript heavy now, and so there was some right. some some working back and forth with admin and and front end and stuff like that. So he worked he worked hand in hand with our team. But that's yeah, that's his add. He's a big uh, he's a big Node developer. I believe. He is yes. Right. Uh huh. Okay. And and so so what I'm curious about there is. Um, Actually, one of my great worries was that, um, you know, I actually wrote to him and I said, listen, if, if I suddenly do this uh, native English thing, am I going to swamp your servers? Because if at the moment it's only being used by a handful of people who are, uh, you know, uh, sending sign language to each other, that's one thing. But if, if I suddenly have hundreds of people swarming on to, to bolster their CVs or, or whatever, is it going to sync your server? And he, he assured me, no, no, we've got plenty of capacity and, and, and we can do it. But in, in a sense, the one worry that I have is because he's doing it as an unpaid service, I'm actually glad to hear that he's at least getting 70% of whatever yeah. is being charged for that. Yeah. That's one of your $29 ones. Right? I, I um, believe so. I can't that's remember. A good thing. Yeah. But just as well to give, a, to, to give it another sort of positive nod to your model. At the end of the day, with Gravity Forms doing the same thing, even though they're 
agency package costs less. Actually, you end up paying the same anyway to get the minimum amount of, of uh, pipe service, which is 25 a month for that minimum. And of course, you pay more if you go over the whatever it is, uh, 250 minutes right. or whatever the hell they, they're charging. So if you're doing this kind of thing, Ninja Forms is the best bet right now. But if you're already a pipe customer, then you've got Gravity Forms is ready and got you set up. So so why why don't you guys have pipe? Um, again, it comes back to that time, right? Until a developer comes in who says, I have the time to build this and I want to do it. Our team doesn't see that as a priority of all the things that are on our plate and the things that we're working on. Uh, it's just not the top priority for us. Okay, but I think video mess or video mail could be the better, the better of the two anyway. So And it sounds like that could be the better solution anyway. So we'll we'll see where that goes. Okay, so so the, the, when you get that, when you sometimes get a third-party person coming to you and they make the proposal and they say, this is what I want to do, and you know, you spitball around and you decide how we're going to market it or whatever else, or you give him guidance on how it's got to fit in with your, with your stuff, mm -hmm. do you usually have a pretty good sense of what will be a good seller? Yes and no. I mean, the struggle is to, a lot of times it just depends on, like, for instance, that plugin, right, integrates with a particular service called video mail, right? So video mail is a particular right. service that you integrate with. And so if it's not a big service yet, if it's still early on in the early days, which it sounds like mostly it is, it's still fairly young in this space, it's just not going to be a big seller because people aren't aware of it and people aren't aware of the need of a service like that. And that's where marketing comes into play, telling the story. You know, I think if I remember correctly, we had uh, we had Michael write an article so that he could put we could put it on the blog, we could send it out on our social media, and kind of make our users aware of what's going on. And we we actually recommend that of all of our developers, write articles, write as many as you want. We will put them in the rotation and get them out there and let that stuff come. We have no problem with that stuff because we just can't write them all. We just don't have the time to write articles for every single add-on we have or or uh, or an you know, an interesting use case for an add-on. And those are stories that we would love to tell, but we do ask our developers to try to tell those stories as much as they can. But yeah, no, it's a, uh, it, I think there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that can happen, but there's some add-ons you can tell like, like Zapier. Uh, when somebody had said, we're going to build Zapier, we were like, I really don't want to give that one away. I feel like we should build that because I feel like it's going to be a good earner. Um, but uh -huh. in the end, our goal is not to steal all of the good earners, because if you do steal all the good earners, then you're not going to get anybody coming into your ecosystem anyway, because all the good ideas have already been taken. And so we try not to do that. We try the There are some things that we have said, no, we're building this for one reason or another. And usually it's because of support. And we know that we, they're going to be heavier support stuff. And we would rather our team deal with that for brand and reputation purposes. But I knew Zapier would sell well. I, we, just, we just knew that was going to be the case. I see that the article that you have in the blog was actually written by, how do you say his name? Key Morgan? Quay. We have to build a, if I, I may be wrong. It's funny. I, as our team has grown, I know less and less about what happens behind the scenes. Uh -huh. So either we need to do better about putting something on our site that lets it know if it was written by one of our developers or, oh. or Quay actually wrote that article. He may have just put it in and published it, but it was actually by Michael. But I don't, right. I don't know the truth of that, so I'm not going to make a claim. Uh, I got to say, though, I mean, uh, looking at this blog post, uh, the title is Unlock Sign Language Contact Forms Now with Video Mail. And it seems to be you couldn't, I mean, again, God bless them. It's such a worthy thing. Sign language contact forms, <laughs> fantastic. But my God, you couldn't pick a more niche thing. It's, it's like, what, 1% of the population or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a struggle, right? What Video Mail really needs, and really truly of many different add-ons, is they don't need one article. 
because that's that's a great keyword to hit for SEO to get uh, that niche. But there probably needs to be 10 articles over the course of a year that talk about all kinds of ways of using video mail. That's just how marketing works. You have to put out a ton of content talking about all the use cases. You Because really, with a form plugin especially, you have to unlock people's imagination of what you can do with this. Because a form builder is such a powerful tool to do all kinds of really creative things. But lots of users are, I need a contact form. I need to collect a payment. I need to do the very basic things that we think of. But there is so much more that we do. I, I use these things to build search filters, to build for applications internally. I use Ninja Forms to build all of our HR and intranet management stuff. Like there's so much you can do with it, but you have to you have to think bigger. So in a sense, if you're running a marketplace, I mean, I mean, obviously this applies to if you're running, I mean, if you were running, if you weren't running a marketplace and you were just doing the forms, you would need to be good at communicating how to use it. But especially if you have a marketplace, yeah. you have to become good. Uh, communicating that. So do you guys, I mean, do, do you have a specific person on staff who, who sits down all day and writes articles or makes YouTube videos? Or, I mean, is that something, is that a big part of the value that you add for your 30%? It's starting to be more and more. We have one guy who's basically our our content creator, marketer, looking at things like running Google AdWords and Facebook ads and writing content for the site or enlisting other writers to write content for the site and, and you know, getting freelancers to write or whatever the case may be. So we have some of that going on. We have another person who write, who does videos for products. And that's a little bit of a slower go because that's new for us. We're learning like what a good what a good product video looks like and stuff like that. So we started with our big four and tried to hone in on what it looks like. And then as we're going to go through all of the plugins and add videos for all of the product pages. So it is a part of what we are doing. Um, and I think it is, of course, the added value that we added as a marketplace of trying to say, how do we best tell the story or at least guiding the developer how best to tell their story? Uh-huh. And I guess that's part of the reason why you got the new fancy studio there. Yeah, I mean, some of it, you know, to be honest, uh, when we started Mastermind.fm, I just had some like thin foam on the wall <laughs> and I decided I wanted to start another podcast, which I, I haven't gotten. We we took a hiatus and we're just getting ready to get back into it called Adventures in Businessing. And as we were working through that process, Adventures I'm like... Adventures in Businessing. Yeah, Adventures in Businessing. <laughs> Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> why? Why? Uh, I don't remember why. Uh, it w- I think it was a joke. It was kind of a play off of Adventures in Babysitting. Um, and so, right. okay. um, and actually, if you look at the website, we try it, we copied the logo a little bit. So Adventures in Babysitting, it actually says Adventures in Businessing, but it's a similar kind of feel to uh, Adventures in Babysitting, the movie. Um, so anyway, yeah. Right. So we we started to build it out. And then as I started to build the studio out and think about what I wanted, I said, well, this would actually be a great place for us to make videos. We're actually thinking about starting a Ninja Forms podcast where we will talk about things like products and some creative ways of using products and case studies and um, how to solve problems and frequently asked questions and all of the things that we could be talking about as a plug-in shop. So we just said, if we're going to be doing more, and we have a lot of you, a lot of our employees who have separate podcasts that they do. And I thought, well, we'll just invest in this and the, the team will get the benefit of it and the business will get the benefit of it. Yeah, I think I, I increasingly, I mean, of course, it's, it's old news now. It's been, it's a well-worn cliche for years that video is really important, that YouTube is incredibly important. But I really feel that any business now, this is a wave to jump on. Video is unbelievably important for pushing what you do. And I think having your staff, even if they're doing a podcast about, I don't know, favorite porn sites, whatever the hell they're doing it about, <laughs> any practice that they get especially in, in communicating or thinking about how to communicate. Especially, well, yeah, especially that. that. It's a big, that's another big wave, you know? <laughs> 
I'm looking at a map here of, of how far it is from Cleveland, uh, Ohio to Cleveland, Tennessee. I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a distance. It's, it's, it's a little, it's a good drive. Have you ever been to Dollywood? That's in Tennessee as well, isn't it? It is. It, yeah, it's uh, just kind of north of us. Um, north, kind of northwest. No, you haven't? Oh, you no. should, you got to go. You know, Dolly. You know? I, I, uh, hear it's, I, I hear it's fantastic. I just have never been. <laughs> Well, the, it's a lot better if you try to be an Oxycontin while you're there. <laughs> that, there you, that, everything's but, uh, better if you're an Oxycontin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it makes Gatlinburg the best place in the world. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, I spent a summer working in uh, North Carolina in a, in a small bar in a dry county. And it was hilarious because, uh, you know, it's my first summer, you know, working at, in, in any kind of bar at all. And uh, all the locals would come. These were all guys who were working in the local kind of wood uh, timber yard or whatever. And these were tough, rough guys. And they would come with their six pack of beer and their, their bottle of Jack Daniels. And we would, we would label everybody's beer, put it behind the counter. And then they'd come up and they'd buy a shot and we would pour them the shot and they would pay a dollar for a shot from their own bottle. And it was absolutely hilarious, you know. <laughs> but, but anyway, that. That is hilarious. So interestingly enough, I live in a dry county. Right. How does it really work? I mean, what's the point of it? Oh. I don't understand it. Everybody well, seems to work. get drunk anyway. Uh, yeah, right. It just restricts how people can buy liquor and what kind of liquor they can buy and at what times of days and, and times of the week they can buy it. It's a little ridiculous. I think we've had an amendment come up repeatedly to remove this and uh, it keeps getting passed down. But I live in a, I live really in the buckle of the Bible Belt. And so the religious and conservative community is really strong against that. So for whatever reason. I certainly saw that in, in, um, in North Carolina, that there was a very, you know, on a Sunday, you would see the, the people coming out and, and uh, the sort of strong Germanic and, and Scots-Irish kind of stock. Uh, no nonsense, no whiskey, you know, yep. and full of prayer. But, uh, and, and what's the deal? How ca- it's funny, you go into a gas station on Sundays and you'll see the beer coolers like with chains around them and padlocked so nobody yeah, will yeah. open them up. <laughs> like that's the kind of, that's, yeah, but, that's um, weird. Yeah, but I did notice as well that if you happen to be a member of the country club, you could drink beer whenever you could drink whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted. So I guess it's very much a class thing as well. Uh, how, how, the, how did you end up there, by the way? I mean, are, are you from Texas originally or what? No, I'm actually originally from upstate New York. Oh, right. So okay. kind of the Syracuse area. So that's where I'm, I'm originally from. My wife is from Tennessee. So that's, ah. what, and that's what actually what got us here to Tennessee. Right. I, but, but your dad was a Texan, right? Well, my dad was actually upstate New York, too. So, <laughs> so I, have a very, I have a very interesting family. My, um, my dad was married before my mom and had three sons. So I have three half-brothers. He then married my mom and had two sons, me and my brother, up while we were in upstate New York. When his first wife separated, she moved to Texas with his sons, and he ended up having to stay in New York. Then we had an adopted brother and sister that came into the family. And then when my mom passed away, oh, my sorry. dad tried to move to Texas to regain and kind of reestablish his relationship with his sons in Texas. So he moved down to Texas since he was free to do so. And so he moved down there and then ended up getting married to a Mexican woman who didn't speak English and he doesn't speak Spanish. I don't, ex- I don't pretend to know how that works. Honestly, worked. after my um, problems in my relationship today, I think not being able to speak at all might even help. I think that could be a very good thing. Yeah. (laughs) It could be a good thing. Uh, And of course, now I have, I don't remember even how many uh, Mexican stepbrothers and sisters. So I have a weird family (laughs) because of all of that. Uh, So yeah, no, but we're, I'm I'm pretty much my whole family's from upstate New York. 
So, so to me, it seems all the more unusual. Like I remember uh, Jean was describing his visit to your uh, to the Ninja Forms office, and he said that there was yeah. a great feeling of sort of family there. There was a real feeling of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that this was something solid that was established. It wasn't just kind of set up in, in, in some kind of back room or back office to quickly build up a product and then sell it on to somebody else. It was a real, a real thing, a really established thing. But that seems, it seems all the more amazing to me that your background isn't actually in Tennessee but that you were still certain enough that this is where you wanted to stay, that you were willing to to put down those kind of stakes. Yeah. When we, you know, when we got married, we, uh, we moved up to New York and lived up there for a little while and we would come, her, her parents live in Tennessee. Uh-huh. So we would come down and visit Tennessee to visit her parents, you know, a couple times, you know, once a year or so. And every time we were back in Cleveland, Tennessee, it just felt like home. I don't know why. There's just something about Cleveland that I love. It's close to big cities like Atlanta, Nashville, close enough anyway, two-hour drive, uh, Knoxville. So we're close to major international airports and large cities, but it's very suburban and just really low-key and comfortable. And so I love it. Most people would hate Cleveland, Tennessee, but for my personality, I love it. It just feels like home. So when my mom passed away... I just felt a release that it was time for me to move back to Tennessee and, and actually make Tennessee my home. Uh, so that was How the decision How long ago was made. that? Uh, that was now 17 years ago, uh, this past August. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's some rough stuff. Uh, both my parents are still around. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, I, I get on great with my mom, but I have a pretty complicated relationship with my father. But sure. at the same time, I'm very aware. I, I went back to Ireland this summer just to to hang out with them. And I'm kind of aware. I mean, our politics is so incredibly, ridiculously different. <laughs> and uh, he's a, he's an old style communist. And uh, oh, wow. I got to say it's yeah. And, and he loves to, to argue, but but he hates it when you when you sort of bat down any of his points. You know, it's it's kind of strange. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess it's one of those things where it kind of uh, ticks away. And I I guess when you're in your 40s, as we are, mm-hmm. you've got the sort of the, the uh, off on the horizon, we've got our own mortality. And it's a it's a it's a tough thing. I know? think that's part of my health journey right now, right, is after my dad passed away and I've kind of came to, to the conclusion, I'm like, huh. I'm a 42-year-old orphan. <laughs> like, I don't have, like, I don't, yeah, my, yeah. like, all of, everything that I know of my childhood has kind of crumbled and faded away, and all that is is what I have now. Yeah. And so that's part of my wanting to be healthy and take care of myself. Um, it's part of why I've built this business the way I've built it. In a way, I'm not just building a business and team members and giving jobs. I'm, build, I'm, I'm creating a family for everyone who comes in and for myself. Like I'm building a family. So I don't ever hire anyone with the idea that they're going to be gone in two years, three years. I mean, I hire with the, with the hope and the desire, even though I know that's unrealistic, that they will be here for the rest of their lives and we're going to work together. And then 20, 30 years from now, we're going to look back at this businesses and businesses that we've built and go, look at what we've done over dinner as friends. Like that is my desire. It's, it's a, I, I, I understand it's a little utopian and, but that's, that's what I've been building. So I work really hard at that. And I think that's what Jean kind of picked up on when he was visiting was we just try really hard to take care of each other and not just be a business. I, well, I, I greatly envy that. And I mean, I mean, my life couldn't be more different in the sense that I'm quite nomadic. I mean, literally a digital nomad. Uh, I'm moving mm-hmm. around. Uh, and I think today in particular, obviously, with the whole thing, with the relationship being a bit wobbly. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly standing here and I'm thinking, well, am I going to pack up my stuff? And am I going to stay here in Thailand? Am I going to move on? Am I going to travel over to Vietnam? Am I? And, and I do definitely see that I think in terms of health, yeah, I can see the way that having a stable life 
makes a hell of a difference. It gives you a hell of a, a step up in being able to have any kind of structure, yeah. uh, being able to sleep at the right times, being able to eat at the right times and eat the right things and, and everything else. And there's an awful lot of overhead towards mm-hmm. moving, towards not controlling your environment. Certainly. So yeah, I definitely find myself thinking, I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to, at this stage, I don't think I'm going to sit down and, 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 you know, create my own, you know, ninja forms, <laughs> uh, you know, get ready for samurai forms. I like it. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but I, I wish I'd had the, the foresight. You, you said that you kind of did this like 15 years ago around or, or, well, we, or, or when did you set up? Uh, we moved here 18 years ago and probably two years after I moved here, I met my business partner and we became really close friends. And in that time, we have been trying, we have been kind of working together in business all the way up until, I guess, 2011 is when we launched Ninja Forms as a kind of a premium product alone, um, making all kinds of really bad decisions for a year and a half until we got into what's working for us right now. But up until even before that, for a good seven or so years, seven, eight years, we were doing all kinds of stuff. We built Flash websites, freelance, uh, slowly got into WordPress. Um, we built databases and, and like event management systems for local restaurants who did catering. Like we just did whatever we could. I did print design, sold business cards and just whatever kind of work we could find. And nothing ever clicked and never became anything that we could actually support us. And then eventually Ninja Forms kind of came to life and started to flourish and started to grow. And we were able to say it was able to support us. And once that was able to support us, we realized it's growing enough to support other people. And we were able to bring other people on the team. And it just has just continued to grow from there. So I feel, you know, completely blessed and super lucky to have stumbled on this. And I don't, I don't say luck in a sense to discount the hard work and the smart decisions that we've made along the way. But Certainly not lots of people work really hard and don't get to the place that we've gotten to. And I am very aware of that, that there is a certain amount of luck that just gets applied to business, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, that it's just being at the right place at the right time and the right people and the right things and the right decisions, all kind of in synergy working together to launch something that can actually sustain. Well, well, you know, not that I think that it it wasn't, I mean, obviously incredibly a great success and, and, and a very praiseworthy achievement to have sure. made what you've made. But I do believe that simply knowing what you want, I mean, if you're an intelligent person who's relatively good at learning things and, and uh, doing stuff, simply it's a great gift to have an idea of what you want. Sure. Because I think that's the main thing I see holding people back is that they have all the potential in the world, but they don't actually really have a clear idea of what they actually want. Right. And, and many times what we call that, I wonder if we, we misdiagnose that. I see people like that. And I think sometimes I misdiagnose that as a, a lack of discipline. Um, and it's not always discipline. It's focus. Like you said, it's not knowing what I want. It's not having a clear vision of what I'm trying to achieve. And so where it looks like I have a lack of discipline and I, I quickly change from one thing to the next and I try something else and then I try something else and then I bail on that, it's not necessarily because they don't have discipline. It's because they don't really know what they're aiming for until perhaps one day they, I, I joke about the Charlie Brown kind of, uh, kind of idea of hitting a target. We just shoot an arrow at the fence and then drop and draw a circle around it and go, look, bullseye. Like sometimes we live our lives that way where we're like, well, when I hit it, I'll, I'll know instead of actually going after something. But I think it's interesting that your gut certainty allowed you to create Ninja Forms. And in a sense, its operation as a marketplace in a way that allowed it, 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 sort of your certainty became a mothership that other people could kind of orbit around and dock into. And it seems to me 
it's kind of interesting. How, did you ever consider, okay, so in that case, you're using Ninja Forms as your platform, right. but did it ever occur to you to delve into the idea of, of running a marketplace for WordPress plugins more generally? Never. I never once thought that way. Um, I never expected to become a marketplace. We expected to be a, a, a formidable, that's a good pun there, formidable, um, Form oh. a formidable form competitor to our friends, uh, Steve and Stephanie and formidable forms. Um, we decided we wanted to build something that could compete that wouldn't be, you know, a lot of times you, you get products that come into a space and you're like, you're not even on par. You're not even close. You, you're not, you're not, you're in a, you like your competitors are in a whole different league than you were in and you don't realize it. We wanted to make sure that we weren't that like we worked really hard to make sure that we had the chops to to pull this off the marketplace was more of an accident and 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 maybe a happy accident and we at this point have no real plans of changing from being a marketplace for this for for ninja forms um it's not to say that that couldn't happen because businesses change the the ecosystem changes the people you work with and the developers who are working on your product or with your product change and that can sometimes, you know, alter the direction that you go in. Because in the end, I love our collaborating developers. I think we work hard to make sure that they're treated fairly. We try not to put too much constraint and restrictions on them that makes it difficult or unenjoyable to work with us. But in the end, my priority are the people in this building. So it's my, it's my personal staff that I, that I see every single day and I know their kids and I know their spouses and I want to make sure that they're taken care of. So if I have to make a decision uh, based on what I'm seeing in the, in the way things are going to make sure they stay employed and they are taken care of and they'll be able to feed their families, I'm going to choose them even over our collaborating developers if that has to happen. I pray that never happens, and I, and I work very hard to make sure that we protect and create smart decisions so that we don't have to make those decisions, but, but that, is, that is the stand I take. But I think it's interesting that you, that you see that as almost a minus for, I mean, I, that there is some kind of opposition between your determination to protect your, your sort of family that you have there in Ninja Forms and the interests of third-party developers, because it seems to me that if I was a developer looking for somewhere to pitch my hat for a while, and earn some money. Mm -hmm. As you said, it's a great way to start out. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that the fact that you are, I mean, very solidly in a very concrete way, determined to stick around. Mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody once said of Bill Gates that uh, the main difference between him and the other really early uh, programmers who were kind of, uh, who were on the sort of very early OS scene was that Bill Gates always wanted to construct an empire. Whereas other guys just wanted to build something and then sell it off and spend the rest of their life surfing. Bill Gates was always determined to actually build something that he could sit at the center of for the rest of his life. And so I would say if a developer was looking at somewhere to park the boat right now, I mean, they could have, they could develop for EDD, except now that they can't because he's, he's not doing the third party stuff anymore. But what you're saying is that your long-term plan is that Ninja Forms will be there going forward, you see it, you wouldn't be surprised if you're still there in 10 years time. I certainly hope so. Hope so yeah. And from what you've told me, you have no plans to change your third-party developer relationships. 
No, I, I don't have any plans at this point because at this point it's working. It's working for our developers. Our developers seem to be happy. We've not had, you know, there's not been, other than just, you know, administrative contention of saying, you know, we need to do things this way because of this. And and sometimes, you know, just you, you butt heads because, again, like I said, they're not your staff. It's not your code. And so you're kind of working through some of those things. Other than those little things, Everyone seems to be pretty happy. People are excited to build new things, are still thinking about what the next thing is for them. And as long as our developers are happy and our team is taken care of and our customers are happy, I don't see a reason to to shift. Again, like I said, Pippin closed down his marketplace and I don't know exactly all of the reasons, but uh, I, you know, I trust he evaluated what was best for his team and and where the direction was for his business and made the right call for his business. At this point, this is still the right call for our business, and it's uh, as, as long as I can hold on to it, and it's not uh, this arduous, difficult trudgery to, to kind of make it happen, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going forward. So if you were a developer looking in from the outside, you would consider NinjaForms Marketplace a good, a good place to stop? If you don't have anything yet and you're wanting to get started in business and you're saying, I don't know what it looks like and I want to learn from it, we are very much an open community to talk and offer business advice and counsel and to think through pricing and to think like we are more than happy to share what we have learned in the process with all of our developers who come in so that if someday you decide you want to build something else, we think of that as a partnership, not in a partnership like you go build something and now we want a part of that, but a partnership in you were you grew around us and with us, and we want you to succeed. I mean, I have plenty of developers, you know, who, who reach out to me that are not a part of our ecosystem, and all I want for them is success. I want to figure out the best way I can help them if I can. And uh, there's a, there's a, a matter of fact, we're going to have uh, uh, Dustin Stout on uh, next actually next week, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's got his plug-in, uh, Social Warfare. Phenomenal. I talked to him in the early days when he started. I love his product. I love their spirit. I love their story. And I've talked to him regularly, and I, I love to see people like that succeed. And he doesn't build NinjaForms add-ons. He, you know, he, we, we have some ideas. We have some talks. It's never gone anywhere. But I just, I genuinely want people to succeed. And so I think for that reason, forget the fact that we have a marketplace. I think the energy and the spirit of the people in this business who want to gen- genuinely help you get better at your craft, whether that be a marketing craft, a business craft, a development craft, this is a good marketplace to be in if you have an idea. Um, but again, we don't just take every idea either. Like you have to submit an idea and our, my, my business partner, who is our technical side of our business, evaluates it. Then we just discuss the business viability of it and we decide whether we're going to move forward on it or not. And so we reach out and we have that conversation. But um, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a good place to, to build. Who should they contact? I mean, anybody listening to this right now, if they want to, to do something like this or at least investigate it, who did they talk to? Well, I mean, you can. we certainly have an open developer uh, Slack group. So if you're a developer and you just want to, you're dabbling in and you have questions about that, you can go over to developer.ninjaforms.com and, and under the about page, we have all the ways that you can kind of get involved and learn how to, co- how to develop for NinjaForms. The last one is an easy Slack invite where you can just jump into the Slack group and have a conversation. Also on, I believe... In the footer menu of NinjaForms.com, we also have a link to become a collaborating developer and build an add-on. And you can fill that form out. It gives you some guidance and what we're looking for. It's going to ask you to pro- pro- provide a scope. You know, what is this thing going to do and what does it solve and what, is, what, it, what are your ideas for this thing? And that's what we're going to use to evaluate. But those are, the, those are the ways to get started if you're interested. 
what are the kind of suggestions you're going to be most excited to hear? Well, you know, there's lots of integrations. If it's a, if it's an API integration, we may not be like excited, like, oh my God, that's innovative. But there's a lot of integrations out there that people use that we don't have. And so if you, if you have knowledge in a CRM or a particular payment gateway or a certain mailing list that is, you know, that has got its own kind of market share and growing and you want to bring those in, we, we will generally accept those uh, without a problem because we can certainly use more of those integrations. The projects we're probably most excited about are people who are solving problems that are not integrations, that are not API driven, but are just actually new ways of approaching something. Um, uh, you know, we're getting ready. We're working on an add-on right now that is probably a, I would say, a, a gravity view for Ninja Forms. Oh, so, yeah. so speaking of price, you know, that's something that very well could adjust something. Like if, that, if, if, we, have a, if we have a views that's similar um, in spec in our agency, all of a sudden we're not really more expensive if you really do the math of using both of those tools together. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of ways of looking at that that adds value to our ecosystem. So we're working on a views one. We're, getting, we're just getting started on that now. What do you think of the video, by the way? Did you see the Gravity Views video? I love all of his videos. Zach does hilarious yeah, things with awesome, those videos. I love it. But, but seriously, if you do your own version of Gravity View, you should actually hire him to do a song called It's Not Gravity View. It's Not Gravity View. <laughs> I should. That's hilarious. I should do that. That would be funny. <laughs> but let me ask you, what is hands down the dumbest proposal that you've received as for, for an add-on? You know, honestly... Now that I think about it, I can't think of a dumb proposal we've received. Nobody has come to us like saying, I'm going to create some crazy, you know, to be honest, I can't even, I can't even fathom what, how dumb something could be to, to be submitted to say no. Um, we've, most of them have been pretty down to earth. Lots of them are integrations because when you're getting started as, as a developer too, it's a lot easier just to work with a ready-made API than it is to try to build some really magnificent um, piece of art and software. Um, and so we totally understand that. And that's why it's a good place to get your feet wet. You know, you, you build something small, you build onto it, you, you see how customers use it, you dabble with UI and UX and how, that's, how that can work inside the, the plugin. And it, you just kind of continue stair step through that process. Uh, so it's pretty open and almost at any scale level, people can come to you. And obviously... The more highly skilled people can do the stuff that actually does functional stuff. The less skilled people, API yep. map mapping and fantastic. Yeah, yep. and, and you know, to be completely honest, some of it is so easy. Uh, you know, if you come into our ecosystem, you could just as easily take one of our mailing lists already and drop a new mailing list API into it and be done. Like, there's not a lot of heavy lifting for those. In fact, on developer.ninjaforms.com, we have uh, a Kozo uh, plugin generator where you can put in the name of your plugin and stuff like that, and it will generate a zip file for you with the plugin name, some of the basic details, and example classes and functions for the things that you might want to do, like maybe registering a custom field, creating a field template, or creating a custom action that fires when, the for when a form is submitted and stuff like that. So we're trying slowly but surely to make it easier and easier for developers to get involved. And that was, so that's at what, developers.ninjaforms.com? Developer.ninjaforms.com. What, what was the, uh, the generator thing? Was that, a, is that there as well? Kozo generator, yeah. Kozo, what, what does that mean, Kozo? What the hell is that? I can't even remember. Uh, Kyle, one of our developers, built it, and I don't even remember what Kozo stands for or what, or what that is. It's probably something terrible in anime porn or something. <laughs> If, well, if I know Kyle, it's not that. 
Um, I feel confident that it's not that it's not necessarily that. Uh, but yeah, Kozo is the last link on NinjaForm on developer.ninjaforms.com, and it's been and interestingly, it's a Ninja form that you fill out some basic details about what it is your you know author name, author URI, plugin description, plugin URI, plugin name, and then it just creates basically creates a boilerplate add-on uh, with the basic stuff needed to to start your add-on. Can I ask you, uh, just to kind of round out the list, what other marketplaces are you aware of within the WordPress uh, world right now? Well, there's, there, I mean, you know, there's, you have the brand, like, obviously you have the big Envato and all of their little micro marketplaces that are attached to the the, the behemoth of Envato. And you have Mojo Marketplace. And I, I see, I, I mean, I don't know, but I could see GoDaddy moving in that direction as well to kind of round out their things. Mm-hmm. I could certainly see them doing that, whether or not they actually follow through. But that seems to be common, a common direction for, for a lot of hosts to uh, increase their bottom line because... Uh, to get as they get people in the door to sure. get buying software, um, and then you have brand marketplaces, and you have Ninja Forms, and EDDs fading away. Uh, WooCommerce is—I don't think they're accepting collab- developers anymore into their system. Uh, I think they've closed that off. They were always pretty close. They were always—it was always hard to get in, but they still would let people in. Then a few, I don't know if it was a year or so ago they stopped accepting new people in the system. And then you have like uh, I think Ultimate Member does add-ons. I don't know if they do a marketplace actually. Now that I say that, so I should probably back off on that one. I'm not aware of a lot of other marketplaces. Lots of add-on models now. The add-on model has taken off, but the add-on marketplace model, which is kind of a little bit of a deviation, um, is not not a ton of those that I'm aware of. Wow. And so if you if there was somebody who had an add-on, you know, a, a reasonably broad plugin, I mean, in, in, in a way, maybe, the, maybe it is only forms and things like Toolset that can be broad enough to, to really justify third-party marketplace. But if somebody did happen to hit upon a third party, or sorry, a, a, a plugin subject that was broad enough to support a marketplace. Given what you know now, would you recommend that they go in that direction? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to you have to determine the type of company you are and the type of administration you want to handle. I think that comes into it. If you are the type of person that likes building a community and wants to engage people outside, because here's the thing, we made the decision when we built this business to be local. So we were hiring everybody in our hometown, which has been, you know, it's challenging to find developers in our small town, uh, build our support team, train our people. We've never hired anyone who knows anything about WordPress. Everybody who's come in here has learned WordPress from us. And so... It's been it's it's been a challenging thing, but because of that, it can be very easy to become very isolated and just be us and not have any really contact with the outside world, as as it were. And so, for us, it's an intentional way of learning and experiencing from from other people's experiences and bringing them into our conversations. And sometimes that's great. Sometimes that's painful, and you just have to decide if you're willing to cha- to take on that challenge. I think it's a certainly a great way to get exposure the early days of a product to let other people um, get involved and, and build on it because you get, you don't just have your audience. Now you're bringing their audience in. I think that's what helped a little bit in the early days. Pippin brought in a whole audience of people. A matter of fact, met some of our collaborating developers that came later uh, came because Pippin started building add-ons for us. And they said, well, if Pippin's building add-ons for it, I'm going to check it out. And so they right, said, yeah, it uh, brought more people into that space uh, and certainly brought more people and, and brought Ninja Forms kind of, gave us a little bit of a higher profile. So it's certainly a beneficial beneficial model. You just have to determine what your what you have the constitution for. Uh-huh. Okay, that's cool. Well hey James, we did I think about an hour twenty minutes. 
which I think, oh, yeah, which I, I think was pretty meaty stuff. I, 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 I think, think it's it going to be easy enough to get an hour out of that. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to say to the listeners before we, we wrap I, it up? You know, honestly, the only thing I want to say is it's good to be back. I've, I've really been missing podcasting. I've missed mastermind.fm. Uh, you know, Jean and I started this uh, a little over a year ago. Actually, we're now rounding out almost two years. Uh, and for the oh. last two months, I have been completely disconnected and you have uh, taken the mantle well and, and done a really Thank good you. job uh, helping out with that and being a part of the team. And so we're actually excited that we've, we're expanding Mastermind.fm to be bigger than just Jean and myself. And uh, so I really like where it's going. Um, so I'm, it's good to be back, but it, uh, Donica, it's really good to have you on the team. Yeah, and, and you, you've been in our thoughts as well. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's never an easy thing. And uh, like you said, but I mean, you know, I'm sure you've, you've had all the, the, the support <laughs> in the world over the last two months or whatever, you know? Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much for, for being so welcoming towards me as well. Okay, so I guess that's it, huh? That was it. That was another episode of Mastermind.fm. We did it. We pulled it off. Okay, and where, where, where can people find you? Uh, yeah. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at James Laws. Uh, my my not often written to uh, website is jameslaws.com. How about you? Uh, my absolutely never written to website is uh, wordskill.com. And uh, on Twitter, I'm, I'm, but you know me, I have no social profile at all. So it's uh, at wordskill on uh, Twitter. And one of these days, any one of these days, I'm going to tweet. Just wait, you'll see. <laughs> I believe it. I'm looking for it. All right. Cool stuff. Well, thanks. I appreciate right, it. Thanks a lot, James. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.